Hi, welcome back. Jesus is both the lion and the lamb, and we need to know him in our lives as both the lion and the lamb. Big welcome back again to everyone that's joining us today and uh, whatever congregation you're a part of or visitors from around the world. We're so honoured that you would join us for our Sunday morning service together. Recently, I was in Zambia and had the opportunity to go to Zambia in Africa and uh, spend some time on the Victoria Falls that's right next to the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. It was a great time of training missionaries and empowering missionaries to change the villages and the towns that they were reaching for the Lord. But also during that time, I had a very unique opportunity to do something that, to tell you the truth, I never thought I would ever do. And uh, I had some time off before the conference or the missionary training time started. And some friends there took me to um, a park where I was able to walk with lions. And again, this wasn't something I went there to do and indeed something I never thought I would do. But it was a very unique opportunity. Would I do it again? I'm not sure. But in that moment, um, I thought, wow, here I am in Africa I'm walking with lions and it was a very interesting experience. They led us towards a pack of two-year-old lions. There was one male and three females. And then they gave us some simple instructions like, um, you know, uh, what to do and what not to do. Uh, one of the things I asked them was, I said, above the whole list, because I was feeling quite nervous standing there, above the whole list of what I shouldn't do, what's at the top of that list? And the gentleman said to me, whatever you do, don't run. The moment you run, he said, the air will change and you become hunted. So I said, I'm definitely not going to run. You can, you can count on that, even though my legs wanted to at different times. I want to share a little bit off of some lessons I learned when I was walking with these lions in this great, unique opportunity. Before I do, I want to just show you a quick clip. I'm sure that you'll enjoy that. There you go. There's a quick glimpse into uh, my experience. And as you see me sitting there with the lion, that wasn't a hunting photo. That lion was very much alive. And I could say that no lions were harmed in the filming of that. Or I could say no Andes were, were harmed in the filming of that. There were many great lessons when I had that moment to walk with those lions. There was lessons that I had regarding leadership uh, that I could train to leaders. One of the key lessons there was that before they let us walk with the lions, we had to become a part of the pack. You see, whether they're um, little dogs or big lions, there's a pack mentality. And the guard that was with us said, oh, before they're going to let you walk with them, you've got to become a part of their pack. So we had to go behind them and uh, submit ourselves, sneak on down and almost cuddle in. And then the guard said, listen, you need to let them know you're there. Slap their thigh. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've just snuggled in with three lions and now you want me to 
slapped their thigh. They said, yeah, if you do it gently, that'll irritate them. I said, I don't want to irritate these lions. And so you had to let them know you were there by slapping the back of their leg, which felt quite unnatural, uh, unnerving to me. And so there I was snuggled in, slapping the lions on the leg. Now I was a part of the pack. And they then allowed me to walk with them. There's some great leadership lessons in that. But I don't want to focus on that aspect of leadership lessons today. But it's a real good one, isn't it? If you want to walk with lions, you've got to become a part of the pack first. Then I also had a great awareness of Daniel. You know, we read in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, that moment when Daniel is thrown in a pit with lions. Boy, never was this moment more realistic uh, than when I was standing there approaching three female lions um, to become a part of a pack with them. What was hilarious was as we were coming towards the lions within this, um, this game park, this area that they were living, the, the guard said, um, I've got something for each of you. And they gave us a stick. The stick was about that long and it was chewed at one end. And uh, I said, so thank you, what do I do with the stick? They said, oh, if the lion begins to be a a little bit aggressive, um, just begin to put the stick near their mouth so that they'll chew it. I'm like, thank you. But again, when I began to come around the lions to be a part of the pack, they said, you need to put the stick down. I wasn't really too worried about that because I didn't think the stick would really help me if this moment suddenly went wrong. But I started to think about that moment when Daniel was put in the pit with these lions. And that became a very real um, experience for me. And I was beginning to think, okay, if this all goes wrong, what do I do? And I'm thinking, maybe I could go into that moment where, you know, Adam, before he fell, just spoke to the animals and they sat like kittens. Hey, maybe that would work. The good news is I didn't have to resort to any measures. But um, hey, when Daniel went in to that lion's den and looked at those lions, that was a real scary moment, except that he knew a greater one, the creator of the lions, was present with him. We've been sharing a lot about that in storms over the last couple of weeks, that the storm may seem ferocious, but when you know who's in the boat with you, you have nothing to fear. Like the young Israelis, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, the fire was scary, but they knew the fourth man that was in that moment with them. So there were lessons on leadership that were coming to me as I was walking with these lions. There was um, thoughts of what it was like with Daniel. But I think the greatest thought that came to me was in that moment when I was walking behind the male lion and I just started to remember that Jesus is known as the Lion of Judah. He's the Lion of Judah. In that moment when I was walking behind that male lion, um, I'd love to say it had a dramatic name like Mufasa. It was Eric. Eric. If I was that lion, I'd really want my name changed. Um, If you know my sense of humour, you know that I was holding a lot back at these moments. When I was with those lions sitting there, everything in me wanted to go into... But I held myself back. Or Makuna Matata from The Lion King. Uh, I, I managed to hold myself back. But in that moment when I was walking behind Eric, the male lion, I suddenly became conscious of their royalty and their majesty, that when I was walking behind that lion, I thought, I need to remember more often that Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. It's interesting, isn't it, that he's also known as the Lamb of God. And so often I think we just concentrate on him, Jesus, as the Lamb of God. But we also forget 
but he's at the same time the lion of Judah. There's a verse that speaks about this in the book of Revelations. I want to read this to you. And it says in Revelations chapter 5, verse 5, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Verse 6, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Now, Revelations is a book that's easier to understand for some than others, but this moment is poignant. It's a moment in heaven where they're saying, who can open this seal? Who can, who can we have in this moment? And suddenly the voice comes, don't weep. The Lion of Judah is here. But when the man looks for the Lion of Judah... He sees a lamb that looks like it's been slain. See, we need to understand that both the lamb and the lion are Jesus. But we also need to understand in our hearts that we can't just have a relationship with him as a lamb or focus on him as a lamb. But we also need to focus that the Bible says he's also a mighty roaring lion, the lion of Judah. I don't feel that confident or protected when I'm standing behind a lamb, but I do if I'm standing behind a lion. Now, it's important for us to understand both parts, and we speak a lot in church and we focus a lot in church on Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now, this is an important part of who he is. I'm not saying that. It's a vitally important part. He is the Lamb of God meaning he's the perfect sacrifice. He's the lamb that God provided himself to pay for the sins of the world. He's the lamb that was slain. Remember when John the Baptist saw him, he said, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now we know that under the old covenant, the old agreement between God and man, a lamb had to be slaughtered, a perfect lamb had to be slaughtered to compensate or momentarily cover the sins of the people but in the new covenant God provided his own lamb which was his only beloved son Jesus to be the lamb of God that wouldn't cover the sins of man but take them away so seeing Jesus as a lamb is vitally important in our experience of walking with God but I also believe we need to be able to see him and relate to him as the Lion of Judah. And that's really what I want to underline today with everything we're doing, with the song we sung, with the video clip I showed that Jesus is the Lion of Judah, not just the Lamb of God that was slain. See, both of these titles, these descriptions, dwell fully in him at the same moment. As I walked behind this lion called Eric, I was reminded of when it comes to lions, they're just majestic. You know, if you see other animals, giraffes aren't majestic. I had a chance to see giraffes. They're not majestic. They're fun to look at and watch. I saw white rhinos, and boy, they're pretty scary, but they're not majestic. Their walk isn't majestic. Baboons are definitely not majestic. But a lion is majestic, even in the way it walks, with its confidence, 
There's an authority upon the line. It's called the king of the jungle. It's fearless. It fears nothing. I'm reminded of how Proverbs speaks of a lion's confidence. In Proverbs 30, verse 29, <coughs> it says, There are four stately monarchs who are impressive to watch as they go forth. The lion, who is the king of the jungle, who is afraid of no one. I love that. I read that from um, the Passion Translation. It says, Oh, the lion, who is the king of the jungle, who is afraid of no one. The NIV translation says, who retreats before nothing. And if you've ever seen a lion walking in the jungle, you understand that that majestic lion retreats before nothing. Nothing scares him. He's the king of the jungle. Again, let's carry that thinking over to Jesus as the lion of Judah. He retreats from nothing. He's scared of no one. He's not just the lamb that was submissively slain at the cross. He's also the lion of Judah, our lion, our king. So two lessons today I want to share with you. Like I said, there were many lessons from this moment of walking with lions. But the two I want to share with you are around Jesus in his being, the lion of Judah. Lesson one, when it comes to walking with Jesus... Always avoid familiarity. Avoid familiarity. Keep an awe of God in your heart. One of the other lessons that the guard taught us before we had to go and sit and walk with the lions, he said, oh, the lion is going to make you want, he's going to want to know you're there, so slap his back leg and let him know you're there. But then the guard turned to me and said, but never touch his head, never touch his mane. I said, why? They said, they don't like that. Something changes. They don't mind you being with them, letting them know you're there. But he said, don't, don't ever touch that lion's head or the mane of that lion. I said, you've got it. You tell me exactly what you want to do. I'm there. I am on the page with you. But when I began to consider the lesson within that instruction, I thought that's relative to Jesus too, isn't it? But you know what? You can pet a lamb on the head because lambs are cute. But you never touch the head of a lion. You never touch its mane. Its mane represents its authority and its power. What this speaks to me in my walk with the Lord is even though he calls me friend, even though I've, been, I've become an heir to the father, and a joint heir to the son. Even though Jesus allows me to walk with him in friendship and relationship, I should never become over familiar with God. I should never treat Jesus like Johnny down the street or someone that's just like us because though he was the word became flesh who dwelt amongst us, he was still God. And I want to encourage you because this encouraged me that Always walk with a healthy honour and a respect towards Jesus in your life. Don't just make him like any other man or any other prophet. He remains the son of God. And we should retain in our heart a healthy awe towards him. But we know and we're privileged to walk with him, to follow him, to be followers of Jesus. 
but we also know in our hearts that we're never to be over familiar. We're never to replace awe with familiarity, but we carry in our hearts an incredible respect for the king of our lives, who's Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah. I think of the 101 of leadership that says the tail doesn't wag the dog. Within any context of having a king or a leader, we understand that the tail does not wag the dog. In this context, the tail does not wag the lion. The lion wags the tail. We should in our hearts never be becoming arrogant. God, you need to do this for me. God, you need to do this. God, this is the way I want to do it. Now let's keep in our hearts a healthy respect and honour that Jesus is our friend, he's our master, he's our saviour. But he remains the king of kings and the Lord of all lords. The second lesson I want to share with you briefly today is that all we need to do in being followers of Jesus is to walk in step behind him. Just to walk in step behind him. It was an incredible moment when I got to walk in step behind Eric the lion in that jungle there, in that area that we were visiting. But again, I left not with an over-impressedness in my heart concerning Eric, but Jesus, the Lion of Judah, that he allows me and calls me to be a follower. Now, as a follower, you stay in position behind him. You don't push to the front of him and say, let's go this way. Again, listening to the instruction of the guards that were there with us, protecting the lions, protecting us. Another piece of instruction came when we were walking with the lions. He said, number one, he said, don't pull back. He said, don't shrink back. I love it. But again, in the Bible, it says that God says we should be those who don't shrink back. But he said, don't shrink back because the moment they think you're not a part of the pack, that you're walking with them, again, the air will change and they'll be disturbed by that. I said, you've got it. I'm sticking close to uh, Eric and his sisters. I've got that. Thank you. But they also said, whatever you do, okay, don't touch the mane. Don't do this. Don't, don't do, okay. Also, don't push in front. Don't overtake Eric the lion. Don't overtake the lion that's leading. Know your place stay behind. You're actually at your safest when you're behind the lion. It's the same with Jesus, isn't it? We're at our safest when we're behind the lion of Judah. But so often, again, sometimes because of familiarity, we can say, hey, Jesus, I'm going that way. Come with me. No, no, let's not do that. Let's just say, Jesus, where you're going, I'm going. Jesus, you are the lion of Judah in my life, not just the lamb that was slain. Where you're going, I'm going. And I'm going to stay in step with you. I was reminding of so many verses in this opportunity, this moment that I had. Another one was in Galatians 5.25, where it just simply says, if you live by the Spirit, if you live with Jesus now in you, let us also stay in step with the Spirit. Isn't that a great verse? Galatians 5.25. If you live with the Spirit, if you live with Jesus... Let us also stay in step. What does that mean, stay in step? Stay in the footprints of the one who's going before you. That's all God wants us to do. And if we do that, 
we can know in our lives, no matter if there's a storm or there's not a storm, safety and victory each and every one of our days. Again, I'm just purposing in my heart when I think about these things, not to try and overtake Jesus or to push in front, but just stay in step with where he's leading. You see, as we walk in step with him, we also get to walk in his victory and his authority. When you're walking through a jungle and you're behind a male lion, you walk in the victory and also the authority of that lion. It's where we find our boldness. We have no boldness or confidence of our own. But when you're, again, parallel in this experience with a natural lion, when you're walking behind a lion, you don't care if there's a few baboons to the left or a hyena to the right, because you know that you're walking in the footsteps of the victory and the authority of someone that is Lord or King over all those things. Again, another verse that came to mind was Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked man flees, though no one pursues him. But the righteous, they are bold as a lion. Isn't that wonderful? The wicked man, the the person who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't follow Jesus, oh, they flee and they run when there's no one even pursuing them. But the righteous, that's us. Remember, we've become the righteousness of God in Christ. We're as bold as a lion. You see, that's not our own boldness. We're walking in the victory and the authority of the lion of Judah who walks in front of us. And his authority and his boldness becomes ours. That's what happens with the young lions, isn't it? Another translation of that verse we read speaks of the young lions. I'm sure you've all watched The Lion King. The young lions felt bold and courageous. Simba, even though he was a little, little lion, felt bold and courageous when he was in the presence or walking behind Mufasa. I nearly said Pumbaa, but that was the wrong character. Simba felt bold and courageous when he was in the footsteps of his father, Mufasa. We need to understand that our courage and our confidence comes because of the fact that we are following, not just the Lamb of God, but the Lion of Judah. Another thing I noticed as I was walking with lions was that every other lesser thing runs or moves aside as we were in those last moments of a clip that we showed you walking with Eric the lion the male lion the two-year-old male lion he went where he wanted and anything that was in his way got out of his way that's the same with our Jesus no one matches his authority no one matches his ability Every other lesser thing moves out of the way. It was an amazing moment when we were entering that area where there were some trees. And there were other animals present. But they didn't stand around to argue. They didn't stand around to negotiate who was in charge. They ran to the right and they ran to the left. And all Eric the lion kept doing was just walking with his footsteps of of confidence, majestic footsteps of the king of the jungle, and everything else got out of the way. 
again, when I think of Jesus as my Lion of Judah, when he's in front of me, storms stop. When he's in front of me, attacks cease. When I'm conscious that he's in front of me, even the devil flees. The devil does not want to have a confrontation with the Lion of Judah. He tried that once and it didn't work out well at all. I'm reminded also of a verse that we've preached on often from Micah 2 verse 13, where the word of God says to us, and the breaker, he will go before you and break open the way. I love that. All these verses remind me of what I should expect and experience when I'm walking in step with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lion of Judah. You know, when we think of the devil, not that we really need to mention him at all because he's a loser, the devil is also in the Bible compared to a lion, but in a much different way and context. You know, when you read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, be alert, have a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, don't get scared because the key word for us to understand there as followers of Jesus is like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He impersonates a roaring lion. But he's not one. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ pulled his teeth out. He's a gummy bear. He's running around. Some of the kids are probably laughing at home right now. Hey, adults, you laugh around as well. You have a laugh because it's true. 2,000 years ago, Jesus completely overcame and was victorious when he came face to face with an enemy that we know as the devil. The devil's a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. He's had his claws pulled, his teeth removed. All he can do is give you a severe licking. We need to understand the Bible reveals one king, one majestic lion, and that's the lion of Judah. Every other lion, lesser lion, gets out of the way. You see, Jesus, not only is he the lion of Judah, he's the lion. Not just the king of kings, the lord of lords, but the lion of lions. I think of that moment when the devil got ahead of himself and saw himself as God or like God and was put in his place very quickly. He tried to fight the Lord, but he lost. You see, at the cross, we need to understand at the cross, we see the Lamb of God, but also the Lion of God. That Jesus needed to become that submissive Lamb. But in that moment, the devil thought he was winning. In fact, after the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the devil was left with this conclusion. What a total idiot I have been. If I knew what Jesus was going to achieve on the cross, I would have done everything to stop him going to that cross. Because Jesus knew the cross was about multiplication. It was about when a seed falls to the ground, it multiplies. If the devil could relive that moment, he would keep or try his best to keep Jesus off of the cross because it looked like he was winning in that moment on the Friday, Saturday. It looked like the enemy was winning. Oh, the enemy wasn't winning. He hadn't seen the rest of the plan of God yet. You know, when I think of 
when I think of the analogy of a Lion King, I see Mufasa and I see Simba. And when I think of the devil, I think of Uncle Scar. Uncle Scar, somebody that's a wannabe, thinks he should be, but he's not leading anything. All he's got is a, back, a, a bunch of hyenas behind him that aren't that loyal at all. You know, the enemy is like Uncle Scar with his teeth pulled out. Some of you are going to go back this afternoon and watch The Lion King, I know. But you see, he was overcome and beaten and thrown out of the kingdom by a greater lion. That lion is and will always be Jesus Christ. Let me read this moment to you from the book of Colossians, because I think it's a key moment. And again, within these verses in Colossians, we experience the presence, like we did in Revelations, of the lamb and the lion. Remember our verse in Revelations, it said, the lamb and the lion were there. It said, the lion of Judah can has prevailed and then it says they looked and they saw a lamb you see Jesus is and will always be both the lamb and the lion but we're in times right now where we need to be seeing the lion of Judah walking in front of us because the lamb of God has done for us now everything that was needed let me read to you these verses from Colossians Colossians 2 13 when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive, alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. He has nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities he then made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. Colossians is speaking about the crucifixion. That's why Paul said, my only boast is the cross of Christ. See, at the cross, a battle took place where it didn't end for the devil like he thought it would end, but it ended for God exactly as he knew it would. I love that where it says after he paid for our sins, that's the lamb of God. It says that our sins were paid for. They were nailed to a cross. You see, Jesus became sin for us. He didn't just take sin to the cross. He took the sinner of who we were to the cross. But on the cross, sin was nailed to the cross. It was nailed to the cross by the lamb of God. Jesus became the scapegoat he became the lamb that took the sin of the world upon himself and then was crucified he died he shed his blood but the story doesn't end there you see once the moment was present where Jesus had shed his blood as the lamb of God suddenly the debt had been paid for and everything that was held by the enemy and his authority had to be released the people that were waiting for the coming messiah had to be released everything that was held under the authority of the enemy had to be released but i love this moment that colossians gives us that jesus didn't politely walk into the enemy's office and say could i have the keys please but rather he defeated him at the cross he paid for sin and then he went down to the depths and he said to the enemy you're done. 
you're finished. The last thing you should have done was put me on a cross because I fulfilled everything that righteousness and justice required. Now I'm rising from the dead, a victorious lion. This thought, he made a public spectacle of them. Who's them? The devil, every demon, every assignment of hell. And he triumphed over them by what he did on the cross. Let me read this to you from the Amplified Version. He, that's Jesus, made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphant procession, having triumphed over them by the cross. Oh, I love that. Another translation, the Passion Translation says, he was not their prisoner, they were his. You see, Jesus went to the cross, a submitted lamb, with the agenda of paying for the sin of humanity. But when sin was paid for, he no longer needed to be a submissive lamb. He could take on again who he really was, which was a mighty lion. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, people often wonder what happened on that Saturday. I believe it was that moment he went down and he stripped the enemy of his authority and the keys that he'd stolen from Adam and then led a procession with him where he was dragged behind him, mocked and laughed at and sinned for the loser and the failure that he was. Here's a statement that came to my heart when I was preparing and praying yesterday morning which I believe is a statement that we all need to understand at this time in which we're living. The lamb died on the cross, but the lion walked out of hell, roaring and victorious. Come on, don't that make you want to praise Jesus? The lamb in submission died on the cross, but then the lion walked out of hell with a roar victorious you see all of heaven waited for the return of Jesus and sometimes when I imagine what that was like I imagine the father sitting on the throne and all the angels and the elders and all of a sudden there's a whisper that comes through the crowd he's here and all of a sudden at the very back of heaven maybe by the gates the crowd splits and a lion begins to walk in to take his place again upon the throne. But he's not alone. Everyone that had placed faith in him are now walking in step behind him. Oh, one day in heaven, I think we'll see this clearer than what we see it now. But it's vital for you and me to understand he's not just Jesus in the boat with us in the storm. He is the mighty Lion of Judah. And we, as followers of Jesus, walk in his footsteps. We walk in his victory and in the boldness that that brings. I love these verses. You know, in that moment when I was walking behind Eric the lion, and I saw some other animals, I saw baboons and other things that could potentially harm me. Do you know the statement in my heart was very simple? Oh, I'm with him. I'm with Eric the lion. Any other animal, 
that's got harm intended for me, I'm with him. Andy is with Eric the Lion. Can't touch this. We need to understand that that confidence needs to be in our heart as followers of Jesus. When we live in our life submitted to his rule and reign and his lordship, but when other things come to threaten us or challenge us, we don't respond by our own ability, but we say, excuse me, I'm with him. The Lion of Judah is the one that's ahead of me that I'm walking with. Again, I think of great verses. Romans 8, 31. If God, the Lion of Judah, is for me, then who can be against me? Again, you read on in Romans 8, verse 37, and it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Think about that for a moment. We're not even conquerors. According to Romans, we're more than conquerors. You see, Jesus at the cross, in his death, his burial, his resurrection, he became the conqueror. But he now calls us more than conquerors. Why? We don't need to fight anymore. We live in the victory of the great fight that he won on our behalf. You've heard me speak about this analogy before. But I want to say it again because I want you to grasp in your heart today, <clears throat> if you're a follower of Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. You're walking in the footsteps of the Lion of Judah. I used to teach on this verse and say, remember the great fighter of his time, Mike Tyson. He was, he was a violent man. He was a conqueror in the ring. And he was married at that time to a lady called Robin and, and uh, he would get in the ring and he'd get in there and he'd fight like a warrior. He'd overcome the enemy. He'd beat the challenger and he'd be handed a check for a million pounds. But then he'd go home after all the lights were turned off and the people had stopped clapping. And as he walked through his front door, his wife, Robin, would be waiting there with her hand out and he would put the check in her hand. She became more than a conqueror. She was living in a victory of a fight she didn't need to fight. My friends, we don't need to fight the devil. We need to remind him he's been beaten. We don't need to fight the devil. We don't need to have our own little fight with the devil. We need to remind the devil, listen, I'm with him. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, ripped you to bits. He threw you out of the kingdom. You're a loser and I'm not with you, I'm with him. I hope that gives hope to your heart today. So let me end with this thought. Jesus, he is the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of Judah. Number one, let's not become over familiar with him. Let's not pat his head like a little lamb, but give him the respect he's due as the lion that he is. Let's walk in step with him, never pushing in front or trying to make him come our way. Let's not be scared of other lesser things that can't hurt us because we're walking with the Lion of Judah. You may have heard or been blessed by the quiet voice of the Lamb. But have you heard, also heard the roar of the Lion? Because Jesus is both, you see. Let me say that again. Maybe you've been living in that gentleness of the lamb. I love you. I love you. That gentleness of the lamb, the way that the lamb 
would communicate to us, that quiet voice of a lamb. That's good. But don't also forget that he wants you to hear the roar of a lion that makes every other thing shut up, go away and run. I'm sure as I've been sharing today, you've been thinking, like I did, of that incredible adaption of the book The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Again, hey, go back and watch it this afternoon. But there's moments in there where the lion, whose name is Aslan, comes in to take repossession of the kingdom and the people that belong to him. And then there's a conflicting character that's the witch, the Snow Queen. And she thinks she's a lot more than what she is. And there comes that moment towards the end of the film where the sons of Adam, I think it was Peter, wasn't it? Or, or, or one, of those, one of the brothers had made a mistake and given the witch a due responsibility um, towards him. But then Aslan, the lion, comes in and we know that C.S. Lewis then creates an incredible storyline over the next few pages of how he lays down his life as a lion, but then takes it back again according to the ancient law. Brilliant, 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 um, brilliant way of watching The Lion, the Witch and Wardrobe. But there's that one moment I love where the enemy comes into the camp and she's parading around and the lion's just sitting there watching. And she begins to uh, say about how the son of Adam had done something wrong and this was now all that had to happen. She was referring the law to Aslan, but she didn't know the law. She didn't understand the fullness of it. And all of a sudden she gets a little bit above herself and there's that wonderful moment in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe where Aslan roars. And he just opens his mouth and he roars and everything in front of him begins to tremble. And then he turns to the Snow Queen and says, shut up, witch. Listen, we need to understand that when Jesus speaks, the devil trembles. When Jesus speaks, mountains move. When Jesus speaks, every lesser created thing comes into submission. Every knee bows. Hope this encourages you today. He is the Lamb of God, slain from the beginning of time for the sin of humanity. He went to the cross as a submitted lamb, but he left the courts of hell, a roaring lion with all authority. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, I encourage you, do it today. There's no safer place than walking behind the lion of Judah. The moment that you believe in him and receive him as saviour, you suddenly fall in line behind him your life is no longer your own responsibility. You no longer have to just look after yourself. Look out for yourself. You now have a caregiver. You now have someone who's the head of the pack that watches over you, keeps you from Uncle Scar and his crazy little hyenas, leads you into the places that he wants you to know. And all we need to do is pray a very simple prayer of salvation where we acknowledge him as the Lamb of God but also the Lion of Judah. Let's pray now and at the end of my prayer, I'm going to say amen. As I say amen, if you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've been away from God, you got distracted, but you know today you need to come back. You want him to be your Lord and your Saviour again. Just say amen when I close this prayer and God will hear your heart and it will be done. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is the lamb that was slain. But he's also the mighty lion of Judah who roars and everything else trembles. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for our sin. You were the lamb that we needed, but you became the lion that would lead us. Lord, we thank you that you paid for our sin on the cross. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a new beginning, a fresh start. When we believe in you, we become born again. We're given a brand new life, a brand new beginning. And all of this stuff's from you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We acknowledge you as the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. Thank you for saving us. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in step with you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, God and the whole of heaven just heard your heart. And the Bible says that right now you've been taken from separation and you've become a part of a family of God. If you've prayed that prayer today, would you contact me and let me know? Send me an email to andy at family.church. Let me know you've come back to God today. Let me know that you've given your life to the Lion of Judah today. Listen, I pray that you have an amazing week of walking in victory, an amazing week of knowing what it is to be more than a conqueror as you walk in the footsteps of the one who's gone before you. God bless.